Welcome to the offer. The no sugar added approach to the talent triangle with an unfiltered view of employers, candidates, and recruiters. I am your host, Michael Glinter. The offer unfiltered. We talked in an earlier episode about bad bosses and I wanted to shift gears a little bit and talk a little bit about toxic employees because toxic employees can drain positive workplaces more often than not, and we really don't address the issue. Employees are 50% more likely to quit when they have to work in an environment where there's a toxic employee every day. So when you hire one toxic employee for a team of 20 people, it can cost an employer three times more money in turnover and decreased productivity than if you hire a good employee. Research shows that even rude employees have a negative impact on an organization as opposed to civil ones. So incivility in the workplace can also have bad effects. It's very important to try to Figure this out before you hire people. Figure out whether or not they're going to have a negative impact on your environment. So when you bring a candidate through your hiring process, make sure to ask them specific questions that will help you weed out these problems. Ask them how they have resolved conflict in the past. Give you examples of what they've done to solve these issues and handle these issues. Don't let them talk to you about hypotheticals. Ask them for actual examples. Ask them for how they have handled different personalities or dynamics in the workforce. What's key here is not to allow them to give you general, generic answers, rehearsed answers. What you really want to encourage them to do is give them the real-life example and all the negative aspects to it. So encourage them that it's okay to be negative in this instance because... Any type of example like this is going to have some type of a negative presence. Another great example of this is asking them how they handle stress at work and how do they deal with workplace stress. Finally, you can ask them for references, although we do know that historically references are generally always positive because they ask people to give references that are going to give them positive references. You can also ask the reference specific questions geared towards how they handle conflict in the workplace. And that can give you some ideas as far as what types of behaviors that they're going to show and demonstrate. Finding all this out once they get hired can make it very challenging once you have that employee in place. So screening an employee for these challenges or these issues could greatly save a lot of heartache, stress, and cost to you as an employer. Of course, we don't always do this. Actually, oftentimes we do not. So before I get into the ways we can manage through difficult employees, I want to introduce Katerina Gooch. Katerina has had a successful career in the staffing industry. Specifically, she's worked with temp to hire staffing situations where she's actually had an on-premise manager managing the staff that they bring into the workplace and can talk to a lot of challenges and insight on how to handle difficult and challenging employees. So let me introduce Katerina. Hello. Hi, Katerina. How are you? I'm good. 
we're talking today, again, going back to it on managing difficult employees. Now, what makes a difficult employee? How do we manage through manage manage people that are difficult? A lot of times, companies systemically want to just get rid of somebody if they're not if there if there's issues in the workplace where you know they're not getting along with other people or they're causing challenges. The immediate response, like anybody, would be you know just take out the cancer. But we can't do that. That's not how life works. And oftentimes companies are looking for ways to better manage these people, these challenging people, these people that have issues, but they, maybe their issues are personal, or maybe their issues are, you know, uh, commute, or maybe their issues are they don't like their boss. Understanding those dynamics and, and understanding how to manage them. With that being said, I know you worked for Employee Bridge. We talked about that. Just as a recap, can you please explain to the people out there, what Employee Bridge is, what they did, and kind of what you did there. Employee Bridge is the biggest industrial staffing agency in the country currently. It employs about seven brands under Employee Bridge, each of them with different specifics. We were uh, providing all the HR and staffing support to different clients. Oh, I got you. Okay, so you were basically like a third-party um, HR support to various different companies. That's correct. So we deployed people. We had staff, just like recruiting. Recruiting was part of the process, right? We would have a client that would call and say, I need this kind of – we are doing this kind of particular activity, mm-hmm. and I need to work. I need your assistance to help me find the best candidates and the best employees I can have. And you take care of the process for them and just deploy them to my facility. But the employees that you were finding, were they going to work for the companies that you were servicing or were they working for you and you were they were work and they were just placed there for a period of time? So they were working for the client but we would proceed with the payroll and all the other stuff until the company decided to take him on as So almost employee. like a temp to hire type situation. That's correct. Okay. Yes. Sometimes so, it was simply hard. Sometimes it was direct hard because we would actually deploy him there, and within a month they would become full-time employees. So, so you guys had generally it can be a lot more lower-level type people, hourly folks, not just high-level. I mean, you were probably dealing with a lot of cheap labor. I'm going to say seventy. Uh, Michael, I'm going to say seventy percent of the employees were blue-collar. Right. Okay. Not to disparage nor categorize blue collar workers as being challenged, but that's um, correct. Certainly, certainly, we know that you know the the, the differences. There, there are there are distinct personality and um, problematic differences between the, the blue collar versus white collar. Both have issues. Both have people that have issues. But the issues that a blue collar environment may have with their employees versus the white collar environment are definitely different. There's a distinct difference. That is correct. What would you say were some of your biggest challenges that you guys had with your workforce when it came to issues with your employees? Part of the, I'm going to say, is integrating into a team. They saw themselves, they went in with the specific mindset that they were outsiders. So they, they felt like they had this chip on their shoulder that would pull them down instead of bring them up. Uh, Not the regular chip, you know, being on a chip on your shoulder is just something that is keeping you down. So uh, they went in not 
with the normal I am a workforce that has all the potential and all the regards as any other employee in this company. And we had to overcome those. There were a lot of conversations along the line to tell them that their specific job and their effort participates in the production of the company. So they should not consider themselves less than a person that worked for the company for 15 years, 10 years. So, so and had, had a longer tenure, right? So, right. So you're saying because they didn't, because they weren't an actual employee of the company, they may not have gone in with this excitement level that one would have working for the company, or the enthusiasm to help the company because they're only there temporarily, or, or, or they're not working for the organization, and that was a challenge. So here you have an employee that isn't excited, doesn't show excitement level, maybe not as motivated. Other people see that and they're like, why is this guy even here? And you have to kind of bridge them together and say, listen, just because you're working through us as a temporary assignment doesn't mean they don't value what you do. That is correct. Interesting. That is actually, that is correct, yes. Did you guys have, did you guys find that you had any like major like issues as far as like attendance or people that couldn't, couldn't conform to a set schedule that was being asked of them? Absolutely. Those, and I think there was, we have to recognize this, that disagreements happen in a workplace. Lateness is a problem, not only with temp employees, that happens with the regular employees. But the fact that they were not listened to, or they felt like they were not listened to, the fact that they were talked at rather than talked with was one of another issue, that they were not included in decisions made on the floor that would have been part of their natural ability to give feedback for. We addressed late, being late many times. Now, did you the did, fact, did the did the manager that this person was reporting to, did they have to manage through that, or did you guys always just do the managing up through that? We had a site manager, and gotcha. um, actually I was in this situation in Seattle. I had... So I had a branch manager, and the branch manager had a site manager that would manage this kind of situations. Okay. And it, it had to be a continuous conversation. But what I found out being on the floor, because when you come from corporate level, they see you differently than the ones that they deal with every day. And based on how you approach them, they can either trust you or they can distance themselves from telling you what's happening. So, you know, in my experience, I've learned that you have to go in with the innate ability to listen, to listen with the purpose of understanding. And once they trust you, then they feel comfortable to give you their feedback. And you would be amazed how much it made a difference to us. And then it made the difference to the organization and dealing us dealing with the client to explain some of this disrespectful behavior that would happen or some ideas that would be good for production. Some of the desires to excel in the job and be promoted or even given, the, I, I found supervisors that would take credit for our employees' ideas, right? And that it's not stimulating for them. If I have an idea and I give you it, you're the supervisor, you work for the company, and you do not give me the, not to give me maybe all the benefit, even though I think they should have got the benefit, but at least mention the fact that I talked to you about this. Well, those were, were setbacks for them. 
and there were setbacks for us because we had to address them. So, so you have an employee that is coming off as abrasive, doesn't seem like he wants to be a team player, seems like he's irritated all the time. You're managing this person. What's your approach? Like, what, how do you handle something like this? Because I can tell you out there, there's, there's two major differences, in, in, and I can tell you small companies and large companies oftentimes are also part of this differentiation, is where larger companies have strict policies and procedures on how they would document and whatever, and then smaller companies are like, there is no policy and procedures. Oh, Michael, well, the policies and procedures in place are very important, and I don't want to take that out of the context. They are important, but we also have to look at the human factor, because we are here to not only benefit the process, but we need to benefit the people that are in the process. So we have to look at all this process in a different way. I mean, leaders must initiate crucial conversations, and they have to focus on accountability and to stop, just pass by, but stop for a minute and listen. I mean, they have to work on communication to look at the conflict the way it is and to involve the people in, that are involved in this kind of conflict for a problem-solving situation, to create a shared vision, shared goals, to, to develop the, the social contact within the team behavior because everybody's going to work at the team ultimately, and to recognize that disagreements should not ravage the team and should have consequences. And when you present the consequences, do not focus on the attitude. You have to focus on the behavior because, believe me or not, attitude, if you look on the company's policies, the attitude is not uh, an item that is specified in the company policy. Behaviors and actions are. Well, because you can't, attitudes you can't define. I mean, it's it's subjective. You really can only define physical actions and physical behaviors that are defined. So, you know, to say someone has a bad attitude, well, I may think he has a bad attitude, but you may think his attitude's totally normal. That's correct. You know? and, and then it becomes subjective, and then it becomes question of are they being picky, are they being stereotyping, or are they being discriminatory? Then it's a whole different animal altogether. What exactly. process do you what process do you typically take when you have an employee like this? I mean, do you sit them down? Do you do you coach the manager first? Like, how do you? How would you look at the process of handling this? So what we did, of course, we all made mistakes, right? Employee all made mistakes. It's never fun to reprimand someone. But you have to handle the matter privately. You have to act promptly, work calmly. The emotions have to depart from that meeting. You have to always take things professional, not personal. I'm trying to, to I, I tried through my tenure to tell everybody this. You have to take the personal outside of this equation because we're talking about a professional. Is the, is the behavior professional or not behavior? Is the, the behavior part of the behavior that was related to you as expected during the hiring process and along the way? So, and don't just talk, you have to listen too, but focus on the action and behaviors and be specific because you have to explain the standards and why it's important to behave in a certain way. And get people to commit. They have to get to a commitment to respond to you, to either participate in the process of healing this process, or we're going to participate in the action where we have to uh, relate to the company policy and we have to document 
then we have to reiterate, we have to follow up to make sure that behavior does not become what it's what I call don't poison the well, right? Everything has to come into place. Has there ever to place in a better way where we take the human factor in consideration. Has there ever been a time where you had to address an issue that was cited by a, a manager uh, about about an employee just to uncover that it was the manager that was the problem? I actually did, yes. I had this situation in Seattle. I had a branch manager that almost like a tyrant to the staff. So I go in to implement the process and they knew and I, it wasn't a behavior towards me as because I was there for a short period of time, but you observe the behavior and you see that people are very drawn to themselves. When I went to talk to them about specifics, you know, I, I like to make everybody feel comfortable and relaxed so we can talk processes, so we can talk how we can do better how we can do better as a team, and how can we come together, right? Mm -hmm. And in all that process, the brand manager was missing. She, I've learned later that she felt like she was being checked upon, but she was younger for the lack of of a better term that I can use here. So I I don't know if that was the particularity that she was not prepared to deal with this kind of implementation. Uh, However, it didn't make me feel comfortable to see her team in this kind of disarray. And I, I tried to talk to her. Of course, I informed my, my team at corporate. And I said, well, how about I sit down with her and find out why that is a complete... Uh, we have two different entities here. I have the team that works together, and I have a branch manager that works by herself that it has complete disregard for the team. Because mm-hmm. this is not going to work in the, in the long run. And... I tried to sit down and kind of listen to her to ask her, you know, how is her daily activity, how she engages with her staff, what does she do to support them, what do they do to support her. And it was it was not a two-way conversation because she did not meet me not even halfway. She did not show any desire to engage in a conversation. So, they, so, so the, what was the end result? I was curious. Did you guys pull out? Well, did you... Well, no, I finished my processes, uh, but I was given full reign to address the process and, and sort of sent her to another property. We kind of took her away from the property so we can address this implementation, and her team would not feel in complete disarray all the time because I'm there and I have to do this. And then she's there, and she's going to be left. She's going to stay there after I leave, and she's going to disregard what I came there for and go back to her own processes, right? Mm-hmm. This was one of the problems. Right. So then we gathered a team of four, uh, including my vice president, and we had some conversations to find out what are this, what is the actual problem. And uh, to this day, she has not given us any kind of coherent explanation for that behavior, and ultimately she has been let go from the company about two years ago. Of course, um, of course it probably was a process because it usually is. It's usually not something that's That's right. Like. It was a process. So she, she was given a less responsibility with a, less, with a smaller team to see how she would act in a different environment with a different team, and unfortunately the situation repeated itself. Right. And I personally think that she needed, I think she needed some counseling in terms of 
her for her own development, I think she needed to be counseled about empathy, and she needed to be counseled about specific tools for managing a team. You had because she. You, last time you and I talked, you talked about a situation. Like I think it was one of your proudest moments or one of your, your biggest moments. Yes. I had a staff member that was dealing with a terrible situation at home. She was a single mom. She became unexpectedly a single mom. And she started to have uh, to, to either call to say, I'm going to be late, or she would come late. She would not as expected in her turmoil, bless her heart, she could not produce the results in the time that we had the time frame. And I genuinely felt like she needed somebody's help because it didn't strike me like she was doing this just to create like a hostile work environment or to be a difficult employee. So I needed to find out what was happening. And then, you know, she, she broke down and she told me that it's very difficult. This is very hard for her to handle because it's unexpected. She absolutely needs to stay with the job, but she's trying to find out how to take care of her kids because she didn't have a lot of help to take her kids to school. Sometimes the kids would have different schedules. So once I found that out, I was able to find and fit her in a different schedule. And I put her with a team member where they would both work on a project to just kind of give her the support that she needed. And she, she made it, and I'm proud to say that she is doing it and she's thriving today. So, so I think the fact that we looked at the human factor and the fact that the people sometimes cannot handle emotions and disarray from home or unexpected situations that really dig into their personal life. And they're too either too proud or they think it's not professional to bring him at work, right? Well, and, but, but here's they the don't thing. Know how- so here's the thing. So you can't, as a professional, you really can't dig into their personal life. I mean, there's that's right. potential that's right. there. How do you get them to talk to you? The only way you can talk to them, Michael, is to sit down and just tell them, you know, I'm not here to judge you. I'm not here to, let's not. Let, let's start a simple conversation. Do you like working in this office? Do, what do you think about the atmosphere here? Do you, is this type of work that fulfills you? Do, do you see yourself exceeding in this kind of work? Is there something that we can bring in, more training, more coaching, more anything that would make? And, and then you address, you know, that there's specific situations that we would like to know if they're related to your performance here, if they're related to something that you have not been trained on or it's a personal uh, desire to look into a different type of field. And they start to talk to you. They start to say, because people that work and they really like the job, they take pride in being there. It's just that they need that moment of calm and that moment of, oh, somebody does care for what happens to me. So they know that they're not just a number. They're not just an exhibit. They're in the office. The human factor... In my opinion, Michael, is very important because, listen, we can be in any business. If you don't have the proper team and if you do not work closely with your team and feel comfortable and have their trust and them have have your trust, you can get anywhere. Can you better, so you you keep saying human factor, which I like. I, I love the fact that we're defining it as something. But can you explain to the listeners what what truly do you mean by human factor? Well, I'm interested to know from the people that I work with or they worked for me. I wanted to know what is stimulating them to get up in the morning and go to work. And I, I often, when I had interviews, I asked that, 
tell me what brings you joy when you get up in the morning and you want to go to work. What's prompting you to make certain decisions for that day and for the life and for your family? And, you know, I think a lot, maybe, correct me if I'm wrong, but I think a lot of HR and hiring managers miss the boat with this. They don't, they really don't try to understand what actually drives the person. Well, I think you're right, Michael. I hate to say this. I worked in, in this field for a while, and I think we... What what we did wrong, in my opinion, and this is just my opinion, and I was wrong too, and I think I mentioned to you that I had a situation that I could have addressed. I didn't address it in time, and I kind of lost a team's trust for a while, right? It's the fact that we have to consider that we are dealing with emotional people, regardless of what we say. We are emotional for more, most. Everything, everything we do every day is driven by desire, emotions. And you need to know where those are coming from and how you can make them better. And another thing that I mentioned to you is that I like to find, to leave people in a better place that I found them. So if we look on the policy, if, if something happens, and our first instinct is to go, oh, let's say what the company policy is. So you have to document, okay, sit down with them and document the conversation and be careful what you say and how much you say. You say less, it's better. And I heard, actually, I heard this kind of advice from an HR. And because they, they feel the pressure to have to replace that person, they go into the other mode of, oh, how am I going to find somebody to replace him? How long does it going to take? Who do I put in their place to work? It, it's, it comes a different process that is driving us away from fixing the problem at hand that could be solvable. Could We can find a resolution with this person. One last yeah, I don't know if, uh, and I'm not, I'm not, again, I, I am, I, I am all for structure. You, we, uh, we need structures in our lives, whether it's, it's professional life or personal life. But we also have to remember that sometimes life is throwing us a curve. And I was in that situation, you know, when I had a family member that was extremely ill. And you have to make a decision. And you have to make a decision that affects you professionally, but also personally. But you have to t- to make the best decision that helps you in your in your personal life because if you don't have peace and you don't have joy in your personal life, it's hard to go to work and not have peace of mind that everything is fine at home. And there are a lot of people in that situation. I'm not saying I did have people, you know, like this, what I call lower spectrum behaviors, like, you know, people that would gossip and would just be nasty for no reason. Those were a little bit easier to handle because you do go and say, this is a behavior that is not acceptable. We need to address it. We do expect this to change immediately. It's a different story. It's, you know, those are almost what I call low spectrum because they, you don't want to see them. They do happen, but the human factor brings in the part that you don't want to see in a person, a person that does something nasty just because they can, because they give themselves permission to do it. What do you, what is, so last question, what is your perspective on companies that say, you know, this is our policy, there's no negotiation, the, you know, it's a black and white policy, if you violate the policy, you're done. Like, they don't, the, you know, we talk about the human effect, and we talk about understanding the kind of the situation that leads to whatever the event is. What do you say to companies that take a, such a stern black and white approach to how to handle things? Um, I usually question those kind of policies. 
because policies are into place to be changed. Okay, we're not in 20th century, we're already in 21st century. Look at the advancements we had in technology and everything else. So everything changes. We are, we have millennials, they're thinking in a different way than you and I probably think about workplace. And if we are not uh, smart enough and um, fast enough to have a look at these policies and decide, I think we can do better here. I can. I think we can review this policy. We're going to use important workforce. And I think, personally, this is also my opinion, a lot of this, you know, a lot of millennials that jump from a job to another, well, it's not going to happen. And even now, that it's not a reflection that they're not good employees. It's that they are looking for better experience, better company that meets them halfway, allows them to bring their, their pet to work, allows them to come with the jeans to work, allows them to have an extra day off. Oh, yeah. So the, they're, whole, they're, the whole millennial effect, man, I tell you. Now we're digging into a, a very dangerous area. I, I, yeah. I, every topic, it seems like the millennials come up. Uh, you know, and, and to save face, I get the fact that it's just a different type of person, but it's, it's complicating things tremendously because of the lack of employees that are available, that now That's we right. have to start making all these concessions for millennials who don't want to work you know, 40-hour work weeks. You want to be able to leave at 3 o'clock. You know, it's, you know, I, I get it, but, I mean, we still have a business to run. <laughs> well, I am in that situation, Michael, and you have to look at the spectrum of your business and stay stern for what makes sense for a business to work. So when you have international business, you can't have all these concessions. So you have to tell them, yes, well, I can do this, this, and this. I cannot do this and this because I'm working on a different time zone. I need to have this by this day, by this hour. I need right. to do, do this have, by this time. You have, so, so what you're saying is, is, is when a a request comes up from an employee about uh, something that you know, in in all essence, if we were flexible on normally, but if you can't be flexible, then we need to tell them, define them why, give them a reasoning behind what it, why it doesn't make sense. That's right. That's right. Mm-hmm. And I like to be open to tell them this is why, you know, if I, I need your cooperation, thorough cooperation, because I need to have this, this, and this into place for my business to run. Now, I'm flexible in the areas that I can, and my business doesn't suffer either, and we don't suffer as collectively, right? And I, I'm, I'm, I'm okay to look at the flexibility there. But if there are areas where my business is suffering, then I need to look at this, because um, ultimately, we have to have continuous process in this business. We can't stop the process to be flexible for something that uh, is not necessary. Katarina, great having you on. Uh, again, uh, appreciate uh, the great insight, uh, very good topics. Certainly helpful to kind of open up some of the dialogue uh, that companies need to hear about and really, you know, be open to. Um, and I do think that uh, many companies forget about the human factor. Many companies don't look beyond the black and white. And, and that's why a lot of those companies have challenges, because they don't take into consideration the situation. So I appreciate you joining. Uh, I wish you well. Michael, thank you so much. I want to thank you for this opportunity, and I want to thank your audience for the opportunity to allow us to talk about from our perspective and from our personal opinion, because I know there will be a lot of opinions added to this, and I welcome everybody.
to this conversation. So thank you so much. I wish you good luck, and I wish everybody enjoys this podcast. Thank you very much for joining us, Katerina. So I want to highlight some things that are very important to remember uh, just to kind of wrap things up today. Be a difficult employee, a toxic employee can affect the workplace in many ways. Morale suffers. It, it increases the desire for employees to resign. Employees show a decline in their quality of work. More importantly, it can also very much negatively impact an employee on their personal life when they go home. And they would discourage other people to even co-work at your company. So it's really important to understand the effects of a difficult employee on your people. So the biggest thing to remember and the steps that you can take to manage through these types of situations start from day one with the managers. Managers need to be coached. They need to be trained on how to intervene and when to intervene when a disruptive employee is affecting the work environment. Oftentimes, managers are afraid. They don't want to be confrontational. But if they're not confrontational and they don't take on the problem head on, then they're ultimately enabling that employee to do harm to the organization. So it's extremely important that as a manager, we teach them and coach them and train them how to intervene and when's the right time to intervene. Training managers from day one can absolutely decrease the impact of a toxic employee on the environment and the negative situations that will come. Managers also need to take notice, and even colleagues, they need to take notice and listen to the people within the department and the company and not ignore the signs. I can't tell you how many times I've heard, well, we knew this was going on, but we really didn't take action. Try to address situations before they get out of control. If you see the signs, if you notice the signs, take action on the signs. When you're talking to an employee directly about an issue that, that they're having on an organization, it's very important to be honest and very important to provide supportive feedback that will help them grow as, a, as an employee. Remember that it's much easier and cheaper to teach an employee what they're doing wrong and help them with growth in their process than firing an employee and having to hire somebody totally new. When you're taking the approach on giving feedback and giving employee growth, you want to use the sandwich effect when giving that feedback. Start with a positive, a reassuring comment or reassuring situation that they've done. Then you present a clear behavioral problem that you want them to address, giving them consistent and clear feedback on what they're doing wrong, and then you ultimately want to end them with another positive. This is something that you will give to them or you will praise them when they achieve certain goals and how that will help them grow as a person. Make sure you document, follow company policy. If a company policy says that you need to do X, Y, and Z steps, that's what you need to do, but make sure you document everything. And then once you set them on their way, follow up with that employee. Make sure that they're taking the advice and initiating the changes in their workday to create a better, more positive environment. Create a roadmap for those employees. Give them short-term wins. Give them little baby steps, and every time they reach a baby step, that marks a positive goal and give them rewards for making that goal. 
if you follow them along the way as they change their behavior and you encourage them to keep going and, and modifying their behavior, then that person will end up being a positive impact and a long-term employee. The most important thing to remember, though, as a manager, as a coworker, as somebody running an organization, you have to be consistent. The second you decide not to be consistent and you treat people differently, you lose the respect of your employees, nobody trusts you, and nobody's going to follow your direction or believe you when you say, this is what I need you to do and this is what I'm going to do if you don't. So those are the biggest steps that you can take in creating a positive work environment. I appreciate again Katarina for giving her insight on the type of situations that we can run into. And please don't forget to share, like, provide feedback, tweet, forward, any topics that you see that are helpful for people in, in everyday world so that we can help and impact others. If you want to reach me, you can always email me at michael at michaelglinter.com. You can also go onto my podcast notes and find all the contact information for myself so you can reach out to me. And please don't don't hesitate to give me ideas, new podcasts, new suggestions, or volunteer if you want to be an interviewee on the show. And I hope this helps everyone create a positive working environment moving forward.